0: Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black.
1: Rob Black, show. Rob Black, talking all things financial. Oh, it's so good to get rid of Chad kind of slows things down. You know, I, I get this excitement in the morning, seeing the big stories of the day, the financial stories of the day, and then he just brings me down. So healthcare, taxes, death, social security, Medicare, Medicaid, I guess it's all important financial situations, and I do have him on for that reason. Yeah, I think he's great media, Um, very clear and concise in a world of financial media where people aren't very clear and concise, or if they are, they're just ludicrous. So, let's talk about some of the other issues. In the first hour, I gave you my market recap. I always do that in the first hour. I uh, tell you what's working on Wall Street and why on a day-by-day basis. Second hour, I kind of stretch out a little bit more and go some different directions. Um, for instance, oil it hit $75 a barrel today. That's going to become a problem. Also, the stronger dollar, that's right, the stronger dollar seems to be doing better these days. Um, and the stronger the dollar the weaker oil would get, in theory, not necessarily always. So Ben Bernanke, that's the big story of the day. He's been reappointed to a second term as Fed Chief. President Obama made it official. He's nominating Ben Bernanke to a second term. He still has to go through the Senate. Um, But Martha's Vineyard statement today out of Obama basically said, we love him. His temperament, his background, his courage, his creativity helped prevent another Great Depression. Now, even more importantly, the European Central Bank president, Jean-Claude Van Damme Truchet, he said he's extremely pleased by President Barack Obama's decision to nominate Ben Bernanke to serve a second term as chairman of the Federal Reserve. He said, we've had an excellent and very close working relationship during the current episode of exceptional challenges for the world economies. Now, oh, good golly, where do you go from this, you know, there? So Ben Bernanke's coming back. I guess he's got the job, so to speak. Um, Stable economy. So Ben Bernanke got a chance to speak today. And by the way, I'm getting troubled by his beard. It's too well manicured. It's too well coiffed. Ben Bernanke today talked a little bit about the economy. He said stable economy is what the Federal Reserve's goal is. Some people think the Federal Reserve's goal is to fight inflation. So now he's starting to stretch out a little bit more. He said to Mr. President Obama, he says, Mr. President, I commit today to you and the American people that if confirmed by the Senate, I will work to the utmost of my abilities with all my colleagues at the Federal Reserve and alongside the Congress and the administration to help provide a solid foundation for growth and prosperity in an environment of price stability. There it is. Price stability. Federal Reserve is in theory there to fight inflation. So Ben Bernanke speaks today. Now, the White House comes out today and they said U.S. unemployment should peak at 10 percent. And they're talking about the budget deficit. It's going to be larger than they earlier thought. The White House deficit projections now lie closer to those of the independent Congressional Budget Office. But these later will start being updated on Tuesday. So the White House is now admitting, yeah, we were wrong on our – we have a grimmer picture than what we were telling you a couple months ago as far as our deficits go. The administration's mid-session budget review also saw a return to positive growth by the end of 2009. Now, we are going to have positive growth by the end of 2009. The problem is – it's all going to be government spending. White House Budget Director Peter Orszag confirmed the budget deficit is expected to be smaller than initially thought of $1.58 trillion. Basically, we had set aside 250 million $250 billion for bank bailouts that ultimately we've dropped from our budget. So our deficit's going to be $9 trillion in the year 2019, $2 trillion more than forecast. That's amazing. We owe $9 trillion to the world. That's amazing. Can you figure out what the interest payments on $9 trillion are alone? It's a lot. Whoa. Coming up, I'm going to talk a little Sony, a little Apple, a little Google. First, let's go to Keith in San Leandro. Keith. Hello.
2: Keith. Hi. Hey, Rob. Go ahead. Hi. How you doing? Uh, Love your show. Listen, I was wondering, uh, I've, I found out I've been eligible for a uh, government mo- loan modification, and I was just wondering what the, the downsides are. Obviously, you take a hit on your credit score, and, and I was just wondering, they could save me about $64,000 in the next eight years. I was just wondering if uh, if the pros are worth the cons.
1: I would kiss any of the cons. Um, that modification, I mean, if it yes, if it does ding your credit a little bit, it's not a bad thing. Um, you probably have they're, all they're the to- gonna- Keith. You probably have all the toys you need, right? Yeah, uh, such as cars, houses.
2: I, I have one. I have one house. I have. Uh, we have one single home, single family home. I have about three hundred thousand in my four hundred one k. I have some credit card uh, balances at three point nine nine percent fixed.
1: See, yeah, and thanks for the call. What I'm ultimately getting at is I'm stunned at how many people are worried about their credit score. To me, my credit score, it's important in my 20s and my 30s when I'm gathering toys, houses, cars, wives, things along those lines. It's important. But as you get older, you don't need your credit score as much uh, because you've already got credit. You've already got the toys that you need. Now, again, I'm not saying totally ignore it and obliterate it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, who cares? You're saving $64,000 in the next 10 years on, on your, your mortgage. That's amazing. That's stunning. In a heartbeat, you could hit me in the face with a shovel if I could save $64,000. So, I, yeah, yeah.
2: For the first five years, it's going to be you know fifty thousand dollars for the first five years. It's eight hundred dollars a month. That's
1: that's huge. It's huge. So, in you know, congratulations. So, I'm not saying well, you've hit well, the lo- it, I'm not saying you've hit the lottery, but congratulations to you.
2: Well, I mean, and, and that's what I'm worried about. There's so much concern about this credit score, and I almost think it's sort of a bragging rights. Uh, I mean, I do have one at seven eighty-five, and I could take an eighty or a hundred point hit on it, and. But then again, I would think if I continue the payments on a modified loan, it'll get back up there again.
1: Right. And again, you have more money in your pocket regardless. So I think you're right. You use the term bragging rights. Um, When people brag to me about having an 800 credit score, I'm almost like you're an idiot because you're using too much credit. (laughs) You're so loved by the credit bureaus because they want you using credit that they give you a high score. So to me, that's that's almost an oxymoron to be proud of a high credit score, that high of a credit score. So I, I think you're, you got the right answer already. 800-345-5639 to, to get your calls on the air. It's um, 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Home prices up in June, but they fall in the second quarter. Now, home prices rose one half of 1% in June, the second increase in a row, according to the Federal Housing Financial Agency, also known as Um, Prices are down 6.1% in the past year. This index tracks sales of same properties over time. Prices fell in six of the nine regions in 38 states in the second quarter. Now, when you hear home prices are up a little bit, you go, okay, good, 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 good. I go, good for the financials, good for the banks, good for the companies who, you know, have a lot of these foreclosed properties on their hands. I think of it a little bit differently than maybe you do. Sony is coming out today and they're going to launch their first wireless electronic reader, wireless electronic reader. A move to challenge Amazon.com's recent dominance of the growing digital book market. It's going to be called the Daily Edition. It's priced at 399 bucks, features a 7-inch touchscreen. It's going to be available to consumers in December. AT&T will be the carrier for the new wireless device, but in what's considered a little bit interesting, you're not going to actually have to pay AT&T for the wireless service. That's going to come out of the book companies when you buy the books. Um, it's a little bit wonky at best. Um, libraries will be able to lend you books for 21 days and you know, wipe them out right thereafter. So Sony it looks like they're, they're really thinking about this, to say the least. There'll be a pocket edition as well. They're going to use what's considered electronic ink. Um, so Sony getting into the game. Who's going to be next? Tell you right after the break. It's 800 345 5639 It's 800 345 5639 to get your calls on the air. I see Alice and Pleasantons online. Hold on. I'll get to you in about three minutes. Straw Black Show, Talk 910, Kenny W. Cars, Hippies, Places to Live. The show covers a little bit of everything. 800 345 5639 to get your calls on the air.
2: Now, Rob Black.
1: Rob Black Show. Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Kentucky Fried Chicken has a new sandwich. And this is not an endorsement, but it could be. That the bun is two pieces of fried chicken. The sandwich is in between two pieces of fried chicken. I love America so much. Go to Alice in Pleasanton, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Alice?
3: Hi, Rob. You're always good for a joke. Uh, I was wondering, how important is it to have a financial planner that you can tell the color of his eyes, a face-to-face financial planner? We have one in uh, another state, and we're wondering, now that we're retired, and should we have one here closer to home?
1: I don't think it's as important as you're making it out to be, but I would say what's important is if you're worth some money, he should come to your state on occasion. Flights are two hundred dollars anywhere in the country. And when he does, he should meet with the other clients in the area that he has and, you know, take you out to lunch and get to know you and your issues. You change, Alice. You know, as you get older you might put on some weight and health might be an issue. <laughs> you change that your kids are no longer under your roof and they're gone. So he should change with you and get to know you because that's what a financial planner really is. They're, they're a personal relationship with you, uh, helping you oversee your assets to make sure they last until the day you die. I would just say comfort level and honesty, very important in a relationship and face-to-face not as important. Okay. So, But it, if you're comfortable and honest with him, you know, and he's comfortable and honest with you, that's much more important than face to face. So but.
3: email contact and and yeah. phone contact is is good enough,
1: huh? Absolutely. So very and very good. Com, it's really important, Alice, that you communicate that to that person. Of if it's not enough, you need more. And at that point in time, he may go, "Alice, you are a pain in the butt. I am firing you," um, or he may say, "You know what? Not a problem. I understand. This is a hand holding business at times, and uh, and just communicate. That's that's critically important. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Brian in Cambrian Park, Brian."
4: Hey, Rob. Uh, love your work. You're doing a great job.
1: Oh, you're very, very kind, because some days I don't feel that way, but thank you.
4: Well, sometimes you screw up, but then so do I.
1: Yeah, that's true enough. <laughs> so.
4: uh, I got a. I keep getting calls from uh, guys from New York and L.A. that keep telling me that I need to invest in their derivatives. I need to invest in their futures. Uh, they, they got this great thing that's just going to make so much money, uh, uh, gasoline futures and like that. And I keep telling them that, you know, I've done a little research on this stuff, and you know what? I don't even understand half the language, half the words you guys use. I don't even know what you're talking about most of the time. I don't think I'm a very sophisticated investor. I'm just an ordinary guy. And I'm a little nervous about putting my money in something that I think is really kind of volatile and risky. You pretty much need to be on top of it. And I need, I need to know a lot more than I do. And the guy says, oh, no, no, you're plenty sophisticated. Uh, you know, what do you think?
1: Um, derivatives have very high commissions tied towards them. Uh-huh. And let me explain to everyone what a derivative is. A derivative, it's a financial instrument. It's derived from another asset. That's the basic idea. Um, it could be derived from an index. It could be value or condition, which is an underlying asset. Rather than trade or exchange the underlying asset itself, you're buying a piece of it if it goes one way or another, or you're selling a piece of it if it goes one way or another. Um, It's also known as a futures contract, an agreement to exchange the underlying asset at a future date. That's the basic concept. Um, At one point in time, derivatives were wonderful for wealthy Americans because they're a way of creating a little bit of income. Or a way of protecting assets. I think they're wonderful at hedging or mitigating risk in a worst-case scenario. And let's say my father bought Coca-Cola in 1920, or his father's father bought Coca-Cola in 1920. And it's, you know, $0.14 cost basis. And I'm part of the Coca-Cola heiress family foundation. Um, Then you could start using puts and calls and swaps and situations along those lines to protect yourself. And to generate income because you don't want to take the tax hit of selling this, you know, incredibly appreciated piece of uh, asset. So puts and calls and options and forwards and options and swaps and, you know, there's equity derivatives and foreign exchange derivatives and credit derivatives. You don't need it to get wealthy, Brian. You need to buy stocks, bonds and real estate over 40 years. Uh, from age 20 to 60, and then you need to protect that. Once you get wealthy, you can start adding hedges to your portfolio like commodities. You could start adding hedges to your portfolio like artwork. But you don't need derivatives in any way, shape, or form. They're very, very expensive to buy and sell, and because of that, they're sold over the telephone. You know, uh, you might have signed up for a financial seminar and your your information was sold your phone number was sold. You might live in an expensive uh, you know, area code, and you're going to be cold-called all day long, and you're going to be tr- they're going to convince you that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, it's not.
4: No, I agree. Thank you for that.
1: Yep, right, and thanks for the call, and thanks for the courage for picking up the phone and giving me a call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to Bob, maybe. Bob in San Francisco.
4: Maybe not. It might be another uh, call that should be on Green 960, but I think it's neutral. If you're having the outstripping of the Social Security by Medicare costs, some part of it must be drugs or, or maybe none of it. I mean, that's the biggest open-ended growth area of Medicare, but I, I think it's coming out of China. I don't think it's being passed through to elders, is it, because when they passed this five years ago, it was just unfunded? Or is that really... Part of what's inflating the Medicare beyond what Social Security will keep up with.
1: I'm not smart enough to know.
4: Oh, all right. I just don't get an answer.
1: I what? Anyway. No, you're right. I'd call um the guy uh, Tom who does the show uh, on Green Nine Sixty. I think he does a really good show. So, um, and he's he's very informed on cost issues and who to blame and who to point fingers at. To me, I just look at the numbers and it do, it doesn't add up. I'm kind of Ross Perotian. In that sense of, you know, this makes no sense. So anyway, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show. It's Talk 910, K-A-W. Tomorrow I'm going to do a show from 11 to 12. I'm going to do a show from 10 to noon, but from 11 to 12 in particular. uh, I'm going to do a show on hippies in the 1960s. America in the 60s, what we were doing, how our economy was, uh, what major breakthroughs we had, and of course we're going to blend it in with some uh, music from Woodstock. Get your calls in the air tomorrow, and give me a good 1960 story. You can call eight hundred three four five five six three nine. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. You can call today. You can call tomorrow. You get the idea. Call the show. Be a part of it.
0: Talk 910-KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black.
2: 800-345-5639 to
1: get your calls in the air. I'm still stunned by the KFC Double Down Sandwich. It's a sandwich that's made out of fried chicken for buns. So There's two filets that are fried. That's your bun. And in between, you get bacon, cheese, jack cheese, Swiss cheese, and sauce. So it's a bacon sandwich. It's literally a bacon sandwich. And the buns are fried chicken. It will kill you almost instantly. We need to give it to all of our elderly people in the United States who don't pay taxes. Whoa. 800-345-5639. There would be a, a nice rebate. Uh that, that that'd be some good government spending. Anyway, let's go to Bob in Santa Clara. Bob, how are you?
3: I'm good. Uh, here's my question. By the way, I'm, I'm an elderly guy, but I do pay taxes, so uh, keep me away from that sandwich.
1: You know, I'm kidding when I when I when I hate on the older people, right?
3: I I, I know you are. I, I like your your humor, especially. I like it. So here here's the deal. Um, almost sixty nine, pretty much semi retired. Uh, uh, nice IR. A nice. Uh, Four hundred one and all that, not dipping into it. I'd like to get into some uh, uh, China kind of stuff, <clears throat> and I've been looking at uh, uh, Fidelity China uh, Regional and Matthews China. I can give you the symbols if you want. Oh no, those uh, are both good funds. Are you probably aware of them? I want sure. Opinion.
1: Um, I like the Greater China Fund. Um, that's my personal favorite for exposure into China. ticker symbol is GCH. Fidelity's got a great Asia fund minus Japan, and again, Asia is a play on China just as much as China is a play on China, so you can sometimes take the risk out of perhaps a communist taking out a tank and running over a citizen and the world freaking out um, by buying all of Asia instead of just China, if that makes any sense. You can um, even out your risk while still getting the good exposure of the volume, volume, volume people. What's bottom line is happening in China is they're moving from the farms to the big cities for manufacturing jobs. And The manufacturing jobs aren't high paying. Um, so it, it's not ideal, but the volume growth of the middle class, it's something you want to invest in. So I prefer instead of going with individual Chinese names, I prefer to go with, um, you know, an exchange traded fund or a mutual fund. So I think you're you're looking in the right place for sure, uh, Bob.
3: Greater China, who's who's the fund uh, people on that?
1: Um, there's ING has one, uh, Barclays has one, um, and again, you can go do a little bit more research at GCH, Is the ticker symbol on that one, GCH. Good website for um, some of these ideas, etfconnect.com, etfconnect.com, iShares.com, and uh, for instance at etfconnect.com, you can punch in China, and it'll show you 45 different China funds, Or you could punch in Asia, and it'll show you 45 different Asia funds. And then you can say, let's take a look at the assets inside of it. Let's take a look at a five-year track record. Keep in mind, to me, this is the biggest, baddest roller coaster of your lifetime, Bob. So you got to like roller coasters. you got to like up markets, down markets, up markets, down markets. In the end, I think China grows nicely. And thanks for the call. I still like, you know, again, if you were to put a gun to my head, I like India more than I like China. It's it's just much more developed from a political standpoint, from an education standpoint, from uh, just all parts of India, to me, make better sense as far as stability than China does. Now, I like both. So this is a situation where, you know, one sister's pretty darn good-looking, the other sister's pretty darn good-looking. One's not worse than the other. Let's go to Mike in San Jose. Mike?
2: Hey Rob, big fan of the show, and uh, I'm kicking myself for not buying TRW when you talked about it a couple months ago at four. Um, anyway, I had a question for you. I recently moved to a financial planner uh, through Fidelity. Uh, it's about a year ago. Then the market got all wonky, lost some money. Things are picking up now, but I, I'm just kind of wondering what you would use as a good criteria for measuring. Uh, you know, how well a financial planner is doing. I mean, normally I just say, you know, whatever the index, you know, the, you know S&P 500 plus whatever his, uh, his costs are and figure out what, you know, what did better. But since the market's been so crazy, what would you say is a good, you know, criteria for seeing if this guy's really doing his job or not?
1: Um, first and foremost, um, CFPs file something called an ADV. And investment advisors do it as well. And on that, I don't know what ADV actually stands for, but in this case, it's it's a report on how they make money and have yeah. they been sued. And you can go to nasd.com and sec.gov, and you can basically check out your broker or your advisor. And I think everyone should do that. In large okay. part, it gives some of the de- dirty details that they legally have to give it to you. But, Mike, mm-hmm. they can they can shrink it down to, like, one point on the font. And you'll never be able to read it without a magnifying glass. So that's what they typically do, by the way. With that said, some criteria is don't just judge it on performance because that's unfair. If you're worth $5 million, you don't really care that you beat the markets. You care that you don't lose money. If you're 35 years old and you just want to beat the markets, why not put it all in an index funds and not pay someone for that service? If you're 35 years old and and you want good market performance, but you may have some other issues. You may have a wife and suddenly you're needing some financial planning and make sure your insurance levels are proper and revisited on a regular basis. So CFPs just aren't all about performance. Sometimes it's about the services that they throw in with estate planning, um, the high special needs children, the college funding. You know, a lot of people have questions and that's what the financial planner's job is, is to get the answers for them on Any and every scenario, a good financial plan will be 200 to 300 pages long, Mike, and by the time you're done looking through it, you'll go, whoa, if I only save at 2%, I can make it to retirement, so why go for higher? Or it may say, Mike, you're so far behind, you need to save up to, you know, 15% return results. Um, So a good financial plan is probably a little bit more comprehensive than you think.
2: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: And a uh, good website for learning more about CFP cfp.com, cfp.com. And thanks for the call. So one question, not one question. One thing that I want to talk about is Steve Jobs because I want to talk a little technology. I like technology. Clearly, I was playing Pitfall in 1982. It tells you the boy likes technology. I used to sing the song to myself back in the days of radio. <laughs> I remember actually voting for it for the top five at five, uh, top ten at ten kind of thing. Oh, those music countdowns. He had to wait for music to come. It wasn't instant gratification like it is now. Anyway, Apple, CEO Steve Jobs. He's managing the small details again of his company's products, and this time he's focused on the new tablet device. Since his return in late June, Steve Jobs has been pouring almost all of his attention into a new touchscreen gadget that Apple's developing. These uh, people working on the project are under intense scrutiny right now for Mr. Jobs because he wants to get it right, particularly with regard to the product's advertising and marketing strategy. People familiar with the matter, they gave some details about the tablet and uh, when the device is going to come out. And it's not clear whether the device is going to run full Macintosh operating system or a version of the iPhone operating system, but it definitively looks like it's going to be early 2010. Apple Watchers expect the tablet to debut at the end of this year or early next year, but it's going to probably be early next year. Verizon, for some reason, is hustling their their buns off, trying to get a 4G uh, network patched together in time, probably for this device. People think it's going to cost between $399 all the way up to $999. That's the cheapest price of MacBook laptops. So the netbook is the fastest-growing segment of technology right now and a netbook is a poor man's notebook it's nice i've got a netbook so when i go into the gym i could use the wireless connectivity and uh sit there and answer emails with basically a, a, a real size keyboard gets uh some of the work efficiencies created and going um in a 300 hundred e-machines um asus E netbook love it love it love it love it um super fast and Uh, It loads in, like, 20 seconds. It's fantastic. I love that. So anyway, Apple's working on this tablet, and people are starting to talk about Steve Jobs. This is the product that is his next baby. So that's good news for those of you who are shareholders of Apple. I am a shareholder of Apple. I want to mention that. I will probably sell into strength sometime in 2010. Not letting it go quite yet. Now, Google, the next eBay, good article in today's Wall Street Journal saying there's a lot of comparisons between Google and eBay. Now, great Googlita Mooglita. I know a lot of you own shares of Google. so This is a good conversation to have. I could tell you about everything wonderful Google's doing. But to be fair, I want to tell you about some of the potential hazards. If you get my drift, anyone could tell you things that you want to hear. Oh, you're so beautiful, and you're so sexy, and you look hot. We all want that. But when we get tubby, you really help someone by saying, you're a little puffy, or in some cases, some people that I work close to, when they wear jeans that make them look like a man, and she's a woman, you say, "Those are man jeans, baby." No. So anyway, Google and eBay. Um, inside joke. Sexual harassment abounds. So I got to drop it right there. Uh, but Google today and eBay. eBay two thousand five, two thousand six. So eBay was the online auction giant. And they started to falter in 2005-2006. In August 2004, CEO Meg Whitman said she didn't believe eBay was approaching anything like saturation. Six months later, they were saturated. eBay's stock is now trading at less than half its December 2004 level. Through 2005 and six, everyone hoped that PayPal was going to reinvigorate growth for eBay. Everyone helped, hoped Skype would be an engine of growth along with international markets. As it turned out, of course, the Skype purchase was a disaster. eBay's looking to get rid of it. PayPal and international growth, they haven't been enough to keep eBay's top-line growth rate from decelerating dramatically. Now, when it comes to Google, okay, so that's the eBay warning, so to speak. When it comes to Google, there's also big hopes for international growth. If you talk to CEO, Dr. Eric Schmidt, he'll say international growth. They got a beast of a company called YouTube. YouTube's got a lot of similarities to Skype. High traffic, not a lot of money, very low revenues. Now, whether YouTube can live up to its promise as a big new ad platform, very, very, very uncertain. Another Google's potential growth engine is its mobile phone operating system, Android. But so far, their ability to help Google expand in the mobile handset market has been nominal at best and even unproven. Apple has that market. Google's got a medium-term revenue growth likely to fall about 10%. It's hard to justify paying 25 times 2009 earnings, including the cost of employee stock options. Google may itself discover that the next Google-like business is inside their own company. But until it proves that, you need to be very careful owning Google. You've got to understand that it can become the next eBay, that YouTube could be Skype. For instance, I go to a website, Hulu.com, H-U-L-U.com. If there's a TV show that I missed, I can catch it at Hulu.com. I don't go to YouTube to watch TV. When I go to YouTube, I'm typically watching some guy fall off a roof and break his arm. (laughs) That's fantastic fun. But there's not a lot of advertising tied towards people falling off roofs and breaking their arm. Mm. Do I think Google's the next eBay? I'd say 10%, 15% chance. It's not there yet, but some of their initiatives they're not panning out like they want them to anyhow and anyway to get your calls in the air it's 800-345-5639 it's 800-345-5639 heading to break with a little sticks, a little Mr. Roboto it's Rob Black, talk Kenny W. remember tomorrow at this time I'm talking hippies that's how diverse I am
0: so
2: if you see me acting strangely don't be surprised I'm just Somewhere to hide to keep me alive. Just keep me alive. Somewhere to hide to keep me alive. Hi,
0: I'm Glenn Beck coming up at noon on Talk Nine Ten KNEW. Now Rob Black.
1: Gonna sound odd. This was probably my favorite concert of all time, seeing the Stray Cats in Baltimore one year. Out of nowhere, I decided to take a two-hour drive to Baltimore and see the Stray Cats, and it was surprisingly wonderful. And you know, you only know a couple Stray Cat songs, but they put on a show. They put on a. I say I, I like show in my music. If you're going to go see a band, I want them to at least take the time to you know dress it up with some showmanship so to speak anyway i am digressing facebook is going to increase its staff by 50% this year um so says ceo mark zuckerberg um they're hiring in the recession and you know what's nice about hiring in a recession is they get access to a lot of super talented people but i don't get it i don't i don't see the revenue model at facebook um i don't see the huge overhead uh, with no revenue, I don't. To me, it makes almost little sense. But with that said, they've already got a thousand employees. They're looking to hire another five hundred. So send your resumes to Facebook, ladies and gentlemen. Brad in San Jose, eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine. Brad.
3: Hey Rob, how's it going? To enjoy your show.
1: You're kind. Thanks.
3: I had a question. Um, in my four hundred one k, I, I want to uh, start reallocating more into some international funds. Okay. I want to get your opinion about how to move a lot of that over. Should I just uh, do it in a lump sum or should I just dollar cost average over?
1: Yeah. How old are you, Brad?
3: Uh, I'm uh, 45.
1: Okay. So you should be conscious of, of making a bad asset time decision, but I don't think you should dwell on it. Um, you still have another 30 years of money being exposed to equities, very likely, maybe as little as 15, but that's a long time. Uh, to me, having the right, equity choice, asset choice is more important than timing. Um, You know, right now, you know, I see your point because in the morning, you know, China will be down 5% and the United States will end up 1%. So your S&P 500 fund just did great. Whereas your China fund just did poorly. I would say come up with a model that you feel comfortable with and stick to it. And I would not worry too much about market timing. If you want it to blend it in, Over six months, you could certainly do that where you say, I'm going to sell, you know, uh, if you have five positions in the S&P 500 or 5%, you would say, I'm going to sell 1% every month until I'm out of the S&P 500 and you're going to add 1%. So the blended approach is the idea that even if your decision is wrong, you're doing it over a period of time. So you're averaging it down. Um, But if your decision's right, you're not all that upset because it's, you know, you don't have an asset that's appreciating per se. So. I'm not going to get into market timing. I'm not going to worry too much about it. If you want to blend it, um, you know, laddering in and out of your positions, that's fine. I'd say the the bigger question for you, Brad, is you really want to make sure that you get it right with your you know equity allocation asset, uh, equity diversification asset allocation. So that's what I would be much more worried about. And thanks for the call. Good, Jay in San Francisco. Jay, hi, uh,
4: Rob. How you doing? Good. I was. I have a question.
5: Um, I'm near retirement, and I was going to think about opening a bond fund early for myself, and just for retirement purposes only. And I was wondering, um, should I be worried about the Obama tax machine or stay away from bond funds until I'm actually retired?
1: Um, do you have enough money to live off bond funds for the rest of your life?
5: Well, it's just part of a portfolio, I'd what it is.
1: Okay. How close are you to retirement? Eleven years. Eleven years. You're not that close to retirement. So that's, you know, 25% of your working life. Right. It's a long way to go, so to speak. So I guess what I'm getting at is I don't really like bond funds, Jay. If I don't have to hold a bond fund, I don't. I'd rather own an individual bond because bond funds means that you're pulling your money together with other people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the fund manager has to do what those people want. And sometimes those people do the exact wrong thing at the time that you need your money. So um, I don't like bond funds because it can create a scenario where people are dumping out and the bond fund manager, let's say he's in 10-year bonds and people want their money back now. Um, he might have to sell short-term when the bond market's not healthy. So he's actually selling at a loss or he's selling you know at a huge discount is the right way of looking at that. Right. I prefer individual bonds. So I prefer that you go with a, a good bond uh, brokerage company or an investment advisor who can recommend some good bonds for you. And um, set up an income portfolio, not of a bond fund. That's not, you know, it's not one-stop shopping to me. To me, it's you probably need a little bit of high yield, a little bit of high-quality corporate, maybe a muni bond here or there, depending on your tax scenarios that you're currently in. You know, if you're in a high-tax bracket, you'd want to load up more munis. If you're in a low-tax bracket, then maybe don't need munis per se. Uh, but to me, I think it's a little bit... uh Uh, more of a strategy of individual bonds versus bond funds. I just don't like bond funds. And thanks for the call. Let's go to Greg in Castro Valley. Greg?
5: Hey, uh, Rob. Nice to talk to you. Anyway, I was at a concert in Saratoga the other night. I saw Steve Wozniak, and I know it was him because he signed some autographs. But uh, him and this guy weren't even paying attention to the concert. They had this little device, and they were messing around with it the whole concert. I kept looking up at them, and they were just mesmerized by something so i thought maybe that story you said about steve jobs might have been something he was working on or something anyway maybe not
1: yep so what do you know about wozniak or what concert were you at uh chris isaac uh, chris isaac good show
5: and uh, mountain winery have you ever been up there saratoga
1: saratoga is a lovely place to see a show Yeah, it's
5: great so i don't know much about him but i mean i know he was one of the founders of apple and um uh, i just was was he wasn't paying any attention to the concert. I just thought it was kind of weird, but maybe they're working on something you know
1: he's a goofy dude,, yeah. and I kind of like his goofiness.
5: yeah, he is kind of interesting, isn't he?
1: He is interesting I, I wouldn't say a train wreck. I just say so goofy that I almost I wish I could be that goofy. if I were that goofy, people would look at me and like they'd be like, "Why are you being so goofy?"
5: right, but so, he seemed pretty nice, so he was he was nice to people that come up to him, but you know, they were respectful and everything, but it was, it was kind of fun. I thought when you, when you mentioned that, I just thought maybe they are obsessed with this stuff and do it all day long.
1: <laughs> he, um, dropped out of Berkeley in 1975. Mm-hmm. He later did finish his uh, degree, but he's another one of those college dropouts telling us that you can make tons and tons of money by dropping out of school. And, uh, him and Steve Jobs and you're, you're, you know, in 76, they formed Apple computer and I think he personally designed the Apple 1 and, what was it, the Apple 2? Apple 1 and the Apple 2, and they eventually become the 2E, and they they start developing out of that. So he's considered to be a contributor, significant contributor, to uh, personal computers.
5: Right, so maybe maybe there'd be something come out of this whole thing. He he, wasn't watching the concert.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the call. Um, He's of Polish descent, so... He's got the great nickname "Waz," which again, I wish I had. Um, I guess if I saw him at a concert, I would be respectful i want to, I want to go up and say hi to him, but he is someone I would absolutely love to have on this show and talk to him for hours and hours and hours because his part of Silicon Valley is it's huge his his uh, legacy of you know being a hobbyist and turning you know things from a basic terminal into a computer is it just its stunning. So uh, all the respect in the world for his mind, even if he's as goofy as he is, clearly he needed Steve Jobs to kind of kick him pretty hardcore. Um, multi-millionaire, clearly and obviously. And uh, hes he's not as into it today. Like I've seen him do some reviews of Bing, the search engine, where he's not, uh, I don't think he's quite as in touch as... Some other people in the world of technology that I'd I'd like to hear talk with Tech, but I'd I'd still love to talk to him. I think he's a pretty interesting dude. So America's best places to find a job right now. Do you want to find a job right now? Best places in America to find a job. Anchorage, largest city, sparsely populated state. Anchorage residents account for almost half of the total personal income in Alaska. Uh, Young city, median age is about 33, so you can meet a young person and get married. Payrolls continue to grow. Last year, in the depths of recession, Anchorage proudly said it's 20th year in a row of growth. So uh, there you got Anchorage. Another good place to get a job right now, Arlington, Virginia. Why? Because it's so close to the Pentagon and it's so close to the White House. Um, it's 26 square miles. It's a neighbor to the nation's capital. Not particularly surprising that federal government's getting larger and larger. But you've got the Department of Defense. You've got the National Science Foundation. You've got the State Department. Huge employers there. Another place to get a good job right now, Columbus, Ohio. That's a little bit of a, a shocker, isn't it? Diverse economy for a lot of its resilience. You've got good healthcare, You've got good hospitality. you got manufacturing. You've got some tech industry jobs there as well. Some of their big employers, Ohio State University, Ohio Health, Nationwide Insurance, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bob Evans, limited brands. So if you're a plumber who can't turn a wrench right now because no one's hiring you, go to where their jobs are. Other cities that are having great job growth, Honolulu, Houston, Oklahoma City, Salt Lake City, Shreveport, Louisiana, Tallahassee, Florida, Wichita, Kansas. So it's the mid sized cities they're seeing their day. And if you followed me on radio for years and years, like some of you have promised you have or stated you have, the blackheads, as I like to call them, you know that five years ago I say buy real estate in mid sized cities because that's where the next action is. There's, it's easy to see. And all these cities that I just threw out there, I guarantee you the real estate's doing pretty good. And it's not getting people into trouble. Anyhow, tomorrow at this time, I'm going to be talking about hippies. I'm going to be talking about the 1960s. Second hour, I'm doing a theme show. Theme shows are great for when I go on vacation. Have you noticed I haven't gone on vacation in three years? Life stinks for me. 800-345-5639. Actually, it's been about two. Uh, But I need Mexico soon. So tomorrow, theme show on the 60s. Throw black show. Talk 910 KNEW. If you have any 60s memories, call tomorrow. 800-345-5639. First hour will be finance and talk and stock and economy and all that good stuff. Second hour. It's all about the sixties. Take a break here. Back in twenty-two hours.
0: Rob Black, weekday mornings from ten to noon.